0: Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone uh, this morning for our Sunday morning service. I pray that you are well. Um, if you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us this morning, and I pray that you are you are blessed indeed with the word of God. I'm going to read soon a scripture that I read last week to you that I want to I want to build on this week and, and share with you some thoughts on that. Uh, before I do that, we're going to spend a moment to pray. So please join me as we pray this morning and ask the Lord's blessing on His Word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for uh, your uh, blessing of life and the opportunity to come this morning uh, and to and to share Your Word. Father, we thank you that uh, each day is a gift from you, and we do acknowledge this and we do thank you for this father i pray that you would continue just bless your word this morning we need you i need you lord and it may be your spirit that works in uh in this time now i pray in jesus name amen it's always nice in church when we get an opportunity to hear um people other people say amen to my prayer not because i need your affirmation but um it's it's just nice from a from just from a biblical perspective. It's just nice to have people agree and affirm your uh, prayer with you. But uh, in the right time, that will happen. It will happen. Last week, brothers and sisters, I I shared with you two very important things. I shared with you a, a timely uh, reminder and a timely question. And I hope that during the week, perhaps it stirred your hearts and stirred your minds to think a little bit about what it is. That where where it is that you're at and what it is that you're doing in relation to this and the timely reminder was very simple yet very significant and that is that Jesus is coming yeah without a doubt and I went through all the scriptures last week and we discussed that last week and it's very clear it's black and white in the scriptures regardless of your theological position it's very clear in the scriptures Jesus is coming he's true to his word. He's true to his promises. What he said will happen. And this time that we live in today is just a little speck in the in the spectrum of of, of existence that uh, we live in. A time that's just all part of a journey leading to uh, it to culminate to a place um, the Lord has for us. And so He's coming back, and we are called in this time. In the second question, or uh, in the second reminder, and that is the timely. I guess the timely question and is: Are we ready? Are we ready? And you've got to be able to answer that question. It was really hard for people to answer that question for you. You need to be able to answer that question in light of the Scriptures. Yes, if Jesus is coming, he is coming, and are you ready for this? And uh, I started last week with a passage from First Peter, and First Peter speaks about he's talking to the church and he's wanting to highlight to the church uh, that the end is at hand. And, and in light of the end being at hand, he wants to... Um, Uh, raise a few things with them. He wants to discuss a few things with them because the end is at hand. And so in light of what I shared with you last week, I want you to be mindful now of this passage in Peter and how Peter talks about the end being at hand. And what is it that we as Christians, what is it that the church is called to be mindful about? What is it that we are called to be doing, to be practising in the knowledge or the backdrop that the Lord is at hand or the coming of the Lord is at hand? So let's read together again. This passage from 1 Peter chapter 4 um, and then verses 7 to seven to 11. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11. And I pray that the Lord grants me grace and uh, sort of help to, to share his word with you as it ought to be shared. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers... Let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so you see in this whole passage that it it, it begins and it ends with God. Now this is our this is our whole existence. Our whole existence is it begins and it ends with the Lord. And so we are. We continue to be encouraged by the things that the Lord is doing. We continue to be encouraged by the way the Lord is working. Just over the last couple of weeks, we've um, had a couple of uh, brothers or people give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ because you know these these are the things that that uh, these are the things that we we live for. We we live so that people may come into relationship with Jesus Christ because this is our great desire. And so, be encouraged, brothers and sisters, the Lord is working the lord has never stopped working and so this passage here begins with and ends with the lord it talks about how the end is all is coming well that's all about the lord and at the and then you know to him, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever amen and what we're, what we're interested in, what I'm interested in this morning is if it begins with and ends with the Lord, this little uh, dot of time in between, what is it that we are then called to do as Christians? What is it that, that we are to do as we live in this existence between the, the beginning and the end of time, so to speak? What's beautiful about this is it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how young or how old you are, God has called us to live in such a way that honors him and brings glory to his name and draws people to Jesus in this time a lot of you be familiar with the idea of a lighthouse that sits often on the cliff uh, on a cliff face and it's sitting there as a lighthouse and the lighthouse shines its light it shines its light but really it kind of has a very simple purpose as it's shining its light and it has to be shining its light in order for it to be effective otherwise it has no effect as it's shining its light, the lighthouse says two very simple things to the people on the sea. Either stay away from here because it's a cliff face or it's rocky or it's shallow because, you know, it could be dangerous for you, or it could be saying come this way because this is where you need to land or whatever it might be. And so it, it sends a very clear signal to those that are on the sea. They see from a distance this little light flashing. And what are they saying? they're saying to themselves, "Okay, great. I see that light, and now I know what I need to do." Brothers and sisters, this is who we are as Christians. We have to stand. We have to stand in a time where there is great confusion, there is great darkness, there is great uh, com- those complicated ideas and thoughts out there, and God is calling us, I believe, in this time just to stand, just to stand. Allow this light to shine through you. People need to see. People need to hear. People need to see an, an immovable uh, uh, truth that God has given us through you. And you can stand and let this light shine. Similar to those, you know, if you're working in some office place, often you'll find in those places those exit signs or those um, uh, signs that tell people where to go if there was a blackout or if there was a fire, those green signs. What are they there for? Because if there is a fire or if there is a blackout of some kind, those lights, those symbols, they stay on, being battery operated. They stay on so that the people in the darkness and in the fire can see and make their way out. Again, they remain the lifesaver, if you like, in that in that time of 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 fear and terror. And it's the same for us, brothers and sisters. I pray, I pray that 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 when People's hope is lost, that your light continues to shine, that the brightness of your light doesn't change, that you remain plugged in, so to speak, to the Lord Jesus Christ, abiding in him, allowing your light to shine, that others can navigate their way out of this very dark, fearsome, terrible uh, world at times that, that people feel like they live in. And so... This is an opportunity for us to stand and be steadfast in the things of the Lord. You remember I, would have sh- I shared with you a few weeks ago that passage from 1 Corinthians. It asks us that uh, to be steadfast and to be immovable and to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. That is very significant, even more so today. God is calling us to be steadfast. God is calling us to be immovable. God is asking us to be abounding in His work, to continue like that lighthouse or that that office sign, to continue to shine as lights in a world that needs a way to get out of their circumstance. If we turn in on ourselves, or if we turn dark, or if we uh, our light goes out, then what is it? What what hope is this world got? And so we stand upon the truths of the Lord. And I believe that um, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, as He gives us more and more uh, strength to live at peace with one another and with at unity with one another, this light shines brighter shines brighter and more and more and more. And I pray that you become like the coal of, you know, when coals come together and, and the coals are burning and there's a few uh, 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 unused coal that's thrown onto the fire that begin to burn and ignite because of the warmth and the care and the love and the hate of other people. I pray that that's who you are. That's you are. You're able to spark and ignite the love and the, and the, and the, and the warmth and the hate of other people because of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay strong. Stand strong. Philippians 1 says this. I'll just read it for you. Philippians 1 says this. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, it's interesting how Paul writes. Paul, this is a very familiar way of Paul writing. He's interested in their conduct. He's interested in the way they're living. And he says in Philippians 1.27, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, sometimes, brothers and sisters, that's how I feel. I feel that, you know, uh, uh, there are times I see some people, there are times I don't see people, sometimes I'm absent because of what's going on, sometimes I'm present with, when I can. And so Paul's saying whether I come and see you or I'm absent that I may hear of your affairs. And this rejoices my heart. Sometimes I'm sitting in a, in, in a leader's meeting or a church or I'm talking to a brother and brothers or, or someone sharing with me what's happening in so-and-so's life, how the Lord is happening doing this in so-and-so's life, and it rejoices my heart. And though I'm not present, I hear of their affairs. I hear of what's going on. I hear of this person coming to the Lord or this person being strong in the Lord or this person getting better in the Lord. And, and, and it, it makes me glad to hear these things. And Paul is saying that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And Paul's desire for them, is: I want to hear something, that together you're standing in one spirit and one mind. Now, what do you think is going to happen? If Paul is so determined that they would stand together for the faith of the gospel, if Paul's so determined for this, then 100%, 100%, the enemy is going to come and, to, and do the best he can to plant seeds of discord. The enemy is going to come to allow people to, to uh, bring about some kind of uh, divisiveness. And so what Paul is desiring of them as the church is that they would stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. How much more so, brothers and sisters how much more so that the time is at hand. So in this passage, when Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand, he uses a very familiar phrase that the New Testament writers used to use. And they make this phrase that the time is at hand or something is at hand or the Lord is at hand. And so what they're wanting their readers to know is something very simple. Hey, you know what? You haven't got a lot of time. You haven't got a lot of time and your whole mentality and your whole attitude to life isn't I've got plenty of time. Remember last week I was sharing with you that you don't want to say to yourself, oh, yeah, the Lord is coming, but not in my lifetime. That's a wrong attitude. That's not a biblical attitude. That's not the Christian attitude. It's not what Jesus has called us to do and it's not what the New Testament writers have asked us to do, but rather to have an attitude and a conviction It's very simple, the Lord is at hand. And it might have been 2,000 years since Peter has written this. Well, then that says to me, how much closer is he at hand? And so we come, we, we live our lives knowing the Lord is at hand. We live understanding the Lord is at hand and the time or the end of all things is at hand. Now, if Peter wants to emphasize this, he's, he's, if you like, raising this idea that the Lord is at hand. Now he's about to tell us the kinds of things that he's expecting the church to be doing in light of the fact that the Lord is at hand. And if he's raising these issues, then I would suggest he's also raising the expectation of the things he's about to mention. That these things I'm about to mention you cannot neglect in the light of the fact that the time is at hand. And if you neglect these things, then perhaps it's because you neglect to know or to be convicted that the Lord is at hand or the time is at hand. This idea of the time is at hand is found in other parts of the scriptures. James 5 tells us, you also be patient. Be patient and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And in this passage, Paul, Peter, um, James is saying, be patient, be patient and establish your hearts. Get them ready. Get them grounded. Be not moved. Let your heart be set, because the Lord is at hand. Another interesting uh, passage is in Romans 13. Listen to what Paul tells the church in Rome. He says this, and do this knowing the time. Well, what's that time, Paul? He says, I want you to do something knowing the time. Okay, well, tell me what that time is. That now it is high time. Well, that's an interesting phrase. It's It's high time. It's like get ready. It's high time to awake out of sleep. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Imagine if I said to the church, You're sleeping. Get out of your sleep. (laughs) Imagine if I said to you this morning, Come on, are you sleeping? You got to wake up. You got to get out of this slumber and this sleep that you're in you got to get out of this dragging of your feet you' got to get out of this casualness about your faith you got to get out of this picking and choosing if I come to church or not or picking and choosing whether I read the scriptures or not you' got to get out and off off your seat and out of your bed and and, and and move imagine if I said that to the church today but now it's even more a reason not to be sleeping it's like the man in Proverbs who turns on his bed and It goes this way and goes that way and goes this way and goes that way and says, oh, there's a lion in the street. I won't go out. You know, full of excuses as to why you should not get up and get out. There's always a reason why I shouldn't be doing this or doing that. And, and And if I said to the church today, probably the church will say, oh, you're being judgmental. You're being critical of us. Well, not being judgmental or critical. You're only being judgmental or critical if you're convicted because something must be going on in your heart because if you're not slumbering, if you're not sleeping, there's no conviction. And so the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Rome, hey, listen, this is a really important time we live in. It's a time for you to wake up. If you're sleeping, get up. And he says this to them, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's saying it's very simple. From the day you believe till now, the days are shortened for the Lord to come back. So you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up. And so Peter is asking the church, uh, sorry, he's reminding the church that the time is at hand. And then he says to them and he reminds them of five important areas of their life. Character, number one, prayer, number two, love, number three, hospitality, number four, and service, number five. Why these things? Now, it's not the only thing, of course, that Peter is concerned about. If you read all of his letter, he's concerned about other things as well too. But in this context, he raises these things. He wants them to be people who of character. He wants them to be people who know the importance of prayer. He wants them to be people who are not moved from their love. He wants them to be people who understand the beauty of hospitality or being of a, of a welcoming nature. And he, he wants them to be always people in the act of service well, that makes sense to me. They, they make sense to me. If the Lord is at hand, well, these things I know become particularly important because I know these are the things that quite possibly, well, not quite possibly, definitely, the devil is going to come and try and undermine and rip away and suggest to you they're not significant. Oh, you know what, character? You know what? We all do wrong things from time to time. Prayer, you know what? Does it really work? Love, yeah, we can love. Uh, but, you know, there's always a limit to our love. We can, we can not maybe love them but not like them. And all these phrases that people use. Hospitality, yeah, but you know, understand it's hard. These people are really difficult to live with. And service, well, we get tired. What, I'm just giving you examples. There's, there's a whole host of things that can get in the way as obstacles, roadblocks, to things in our hearts that make it difficult or, or make it sound like it's difficult for us to do these things. But the truth is this. The time is at hand. And if Peter's asking us to step up in these areas, then, boy, we need to listen and wake up and ask ourselves, are these areas in my life that I can confidently say the Lord is doing as he wants to do in my life? And if they are, thank God. Be encouraged by this morning. Be encouraged and continue to do the work that the Lord has called us to do. So he says in this passage here, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I'm gonna just gonna share with you just some very brief thoughts on these. Uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be long. He's asking us to be serious and to be watchful. He's talking about the character of a Christian. The Lord is coming, so what you need to do is to make sure that you are serious. Another word for serious serious, to be sober or to be self-controlled, to be a people who are not consumed and, and if you like, intoxicated by the the, the things of this earth, to be a people who understand that that, uh, what is most serious about this earth is the kingdom of God to be a people who are able to keep their minds alert and ready for the things of God. He wants us to be people who are constantly uh, serious and also sober. He wants us to be people who are watchful and alert. He wants us to be like this because these are the things that he's called us to. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter, again, in another passage says this, in the same book. He says, be sober-minded. Interesting. Be sober-minded again and be watchful. Now, this time, why? He says, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Okay, so it's up to us now. We can, we can be serious and sober minded or we can be casual and relaxed. But what we know that if we choose to be casual and relaxed about the things of the kingdom of God and about our life in the kingdom of God and our representation of the life of Christ, well, you need to be, you need to be aware of something. The devil is watching to whom he may devour. So if we want to become more vulnerable and more susceptible to the ways and the tricks and the, and, and, and the dangers of the devil, well, then ignore this instruction. Ignore it. Because the Bible is telling us here, be sober-minded and be watchful because you have an enemy and he's watching and he's waiting for those who stop being sober-minded, who stop being serious-minded, who stop being at alert. And when the Lord is coming back, then the last thing is that we want to be found not ready. 2 Timothy 4 says this, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Again, Timothy's telling us the same thing. He wants you to be sober-minded, but this time, not because the devil is watching, ready to devour, he is because there's work that has to be done. There's work that has to be done. Now, I don't want you to be sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, but that's work for other people. While there is work for other people to be done, every member of the body of Christ has work that must be fulfilled. I cannot have any member of my body not do the work that it has to do. It will will impact the whole body. And so Timothy is saying, be sober-minded, be alert, be watchful because we need to fulfil that ministry. Brothers and sisters, when the Lord is coming and the time is at hand, There's a very simple question to ask yourself about your character. Are you someone who knows, lives soberly? Someone who, the Bible says, is serious and is watchful? Now is the time to awake. And he says, for the purpose of this is your prayers. This phrase here could mean, for your prayers or for the purpose of your prayers or unto prayer. And I think what it's, what it's trying to say is it's perhaps very simple, and it's this, that when you are a man or a woman who is of character, walking soberly, serious-minded, alert, watchful, then this makes the life of prayer for you most powerful. This is where prayer, if you like, becomes significant and alive. Because this is you not intoxicated with the things of this world, and you come into your prayer life and it's just kind of like a bit of a bit of everything. It's, 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 not, it's not focused. It's not mindful. It's not alert. It, it's, it comes in, it's perhaps out of duty. Maybe it's out of you know, feeling an expectation to do it. Maybe it's because of guilt. I better do it because if I don't, what's going to happen? It's, it's not born out of a character and a life that is serious and watchful and alert and, and, and sober. Because this man or woman comes into their prayer life in a very different mindset, very different heart, ready, if you like, as a prayer warrior, prayer fighter, ready to pray for the things that they are aware of. And and the scripture is telling us very clear. He wants this in the the light of the fact that the the end of this at hand, he doesn't want our, our prayer, I don't think it's saying he doesn't want our prayer to become something that we kind of just casually build into our lives, but rather is born out of a seriousness because prayer, we need to be relying and depending on the Lord rather than to be distracted and our prayers be hindered. Isn't it beautiful how James tells us in 5.16 that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Isn't it beautiful to know that James is reassuring us that a man or a woman who is fervent and, and righteous, that their prayers are heard much? What an encouragement. What an encouragement for us in light of the time is at hand. And then he says an interesting thing here, he says, the next thing he wants to highlight is this idea of love. And he says, above all, above all things, which is, again, an interesting phrase in itself, but above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Why, why would he say this? Remember, that the end is at hand. And now he's saying, I want you to be, I I, I represent Christ in your character. I want you to be fervent and and diligent and effective in your prayer. Yes, but I want you to be mindful of something. I want you to continue to be fervent in love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. I don't know about you, but when I think about the pressures of the end times... And I think about the pressures of the world around us, and I think about pressures of pandemics, and I think about other pressures that are going on in people's lives. I don't know about you, but I suspect these pressures. What they do is they begin to put uh, they be, they begin to uh, cause, if you like, uh, um, people to not love as fervently as they ought to. When rather, what it should be doing is causing people to love even more. It's like if we're all gathered together in someone's home, we're having a beautiful fellowship together and we're all gathering and is rejoicing and then there is intruders around outside the home. That should cause us to love more, to lay down our lives even more, to sacrifice even more in light of the pressures around us or the intruders around us. And, 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 and Peter simply saying, you know, the end is at hand. This is not the time to stop loving. This is not the time for the world to see that you stopped loving. This is not the time for you to allow bitterness in your heart to stop loving. This is the time to love more. This is the time for truth and love to abound. If it ever was a time, this is it. So, again, the enemy is going to try to do things to allow this to be washed away slowly, 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 washed away, watered down. When the Bible is saying, no, this is a time where you lay down your life and allow love to abound even more. Let it be fervent and let it cover a multitude of sins. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of that interaction between Peter and Jesus when Peter was curious to know, he said to Jesus, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. And, of course, what does Jesus say? No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Because at the end of the day, it's not about, well, it's important how many times your brother might sin, but in that context, it's not about that, but it's your ability to always forgive your brother. This is the time, if ever. That we must be doing this this is the time where we carry we love we cover a multitude of sins this is the time when our hearts want to burst because they, they just can't hold more love for one another but if we allow self to get in the way if we allow bitterness to creep in if we allow sin to creep in if we allow these things and, and we they go unchecked and unnoticed or not dealt with, then for sure it's going to be very hard to love fervently. You know, Proverbs 17 verse 9 says this, whoever covers an offence seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Ever thought about that in your life? Whoever covers an offence, you know, sometimes you know something, and it doesn't need to be dealt with. There's nothing significant that has to be dealt with. But you know something. And so you cover it. You don't go around talking about it. You don't gossip about it. You don't share it with people. You just know something. And so love covers Love covers this, this offence. But here you repeat the matter, one who likes to talk about it. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see what happened here? Oh, did you hear that this person did this? Did you? They repeat a matter. They, they talk about the matter. Well, what, what they do, They, they set, that, that, that is so poisonous that it separates even the closest of friends of opposites. You've got to think about this. Does love cover a multitude of sins or does love cover an offence? And I know people are going to say to me, but there are times you have to do this and times you have to do that. I get that. I get that. But look at the spirit of what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to do and ask yourself, am I covering an offence? Is this a time that I must? Or is this a time? Am I uh, okay with repeating a matter? Because repeating a matter can be very poisonous. It's, It's no surprise that Jesus said, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, is it? There's no surprise that he said, you know what your greatest and most powerful testimony is going to be? Your love for each other. And when the world looks upon us in this time, brothers and sisters, I pray that what they see is a church, that is a light, a lighthouse. church that is uncompromising with the truth of the gospel, and a church that knows how to love fervently one another. And if there's any bit of self in me, I'm just telling you my experience in life, you you can disagree with me if you like, but if there's any bit of self in me, any little bit of self in me, I know I can't love fervently. I know I can't cover an offence. And I believe this is so critical in light of what the Lord has called us to. And this is so critical, critical knowing the time is at hand. The fourth one he talks about is to be hospitable. And I find this an interesting one in light of the end is at hand. He's saying the time is at hand, but I want you to be hospitable. I want you to be hospitable. This word hospitable is an interesting one because um, the the, the literal definition of it is a love for strangers. It's interesting, isn't it? It's this idea that there's a stranger and you love them, that there isn't sort of the boundaries of who I love are broken in, in the Christian faith. It's not like I love this person who loves me, but I love the person also who doesn't love me. This is hospitality. Hospitality welcomes, opens arms. It's Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hospitality is being able to keep our arms open for all who might need the got to hear the gospel, for all who might need to be cared for. Now, this is this is the spirit of hospitality. And interestingly, he says, and do it without grumbling. Don't have this facade of hospitality. I like to do this. I like to go there. I like to have this person over. Have this facade of hospitality only to find yourself grumbling. Oh, can you believe it? They stayed too long. They they drank too much. They, they ate too much. They broke this thing. And this, this, is, this is hospitality. Do it without grumbling because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. You see, Hospitality goes beyond goes beyond the comfortability of man. If hospitality is within our comfortability, it's not that it's not, but I just question if it's the same spirit that this scripture is talking about. Hospitality will take you beyond your comfortability, will take you to people who might be beyond your comfortability who'll take you into places that might be beyond your comfortability. It's, it's a welcoming spirit. It's whether you're having people over, and God willing, in time to come that will happen, whether it's uh, uh, whether you're catching up with people on Zoom, whether you're going for walks with people. I know at the moment a lot of the men are catching up in different groups on Zoom, which is absolutely fantastic, which is incredibly amazing, because another way of doing hospitality while we're online But these things are done, and he says, but do it without grumbling. Let the other know that they are welcomed. Let the other know that they are loved. Let the other know that they are cared for. The Bible doesn't say, listen carefully, the Bible doesn't say wait to be shown hospitality, does it? You don't sit in a church and say to yourself, I'm just waiting to be shown hospitality. The Bible says be hospitable and do it without grumbling. Do it without grumbling. Go and find someone you can be hospitable to. You see, Leviticus, uh, sorry, God God highlights this in different ways. And I want to just share with you an Old Testament verse just to highlight this. Leviticus 19.34, you shall treat, he's telling his people this, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, yeah? So when a sojourner, when a stranger dwells with you, I want you to treat that stranger like he's one of yours. Hospitality. Listen, and you shall love him as yourself. Hospitality. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It's beautiful. And when someone, when we show hospitality with one another, we don't think to ourselves, oh, um, uh, because they're not like me, I, don't want to be, I can't be hospitable. No, we're welcoming because we were all the same. We've all come out of the same thing, especially into Christ. When Paul landed on a very small island called Malta, He says that the natives, again, the people of that island, showed in Acts 28, showed us unusual kindness. Interesting phrase, isn't it? They showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. It's like Paul says, oh, I was a bit surprised because we landed on this island, it was raining and it was cold, and these people, they showed us an unusual kindness. They were hospitable. Now, if Paul recognised this as unusual for the people of this island, how much more for the Christian is it usual, is it common to be shown? So when Paul was writing to those at Rome, he says in Romans 16, I commend you to you, Phoebe, our sister. And he's writing. It's like Phoebe was going to go to them. And he says, I want to commend Phoebe to you. She's a servant of the church in Centria that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. You work that out for yourself. I want you to receive her in a way, in a manner that is worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for she indeed has been a helper of many and of myself also. Receive her in a manner that's worthy of the saints. And assist her. Hospitality. In fact, I think that whether it's in our hearts or in our homes, hospitality is shown because it's this welcoming to all who need uh, Christ, to all who for the sake of the kingdom. It's, it's what Jesus did with the woman at the well. He showed her hospitality. So Paul says. Uh, Peter says, sorry, for the end of all things is at hand. Your life, your prayer, your love, your hospitality, and finally your service. And I'll finish here. And very simply, he says, and as each one has received a gift, verse 10, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. So if you're going to talk, so basically, Firstly, it's God's grace that's given us this to do. Don't ever think it was your own goodness that put you in a position to serve. So it's God's grace. It's manifold grace. So if you're going to talk, make make it the things of God. Make it the oracles of God. Strive to not talk about your opinions. Strive to talk about the word of God. Make it align with the word of God. So if you're going to talk, speak the oracles of God first principle, particularly in light of the end. If we're going to talk, let it be. Make sure it fits into the word of God. And he says, and if anyone ministers or serves, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Yeah. So if you're going to do something, you've got to recognise something here. The time is short. The time is at hand. If you're going to serve in some ways, you're going to get exhausted if you're going to do it in your own strength. But I want you to do it with the ability, with the ability that God provides. Otherwise, you're just going to wear out. You're going to wear out. Do it with the ability that God provides or God supplies, that in all things he's glorified. And, of course, it always goes back to his glory. To whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And if we're going to be in this service, whether it's for another few days or a few years or whatever, however long before the Lord comes back, then we want to know that when we speak, we're speaking in ways that honour the word of the Lord and if we serve, we're doing it in ways that go in the strength of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, you decide. The Lord is coming. Are you ready? You decide how much it's time to wake up out of sleep and to be found faithful in doing these things that Peter is asking us to do. This is the time. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not in months ahead. It's not when we return to church. This is the time. This is the time to awake and to be faithful and diligent in these ways. And I pray that the Lord grants us all what is needed to be able to do these faithfully. Let's pray together as a church. Father, there are many, many challenges that come against us all the time. And, Father, I pray for your church uh, at at ANCF but all over the world. I pray that uh, there is great wisdom and grace being given to every single person. Father, I pray for your church all over the world that we may stand as light uh, of of these truths, knowing the time is at hand. Build us, Father, that we always, that people always see Christ in us. That, Father, whether people see us or don't see us, we are praying and praying as we ought to pray. We are always fervent to not live by self, but with a love, a great love for each other, welcoming and being welcoming, Lord, and always ready to abound in the work of the Lord. Father, grant us great grace to do this. Continue to strengthen us as a church. Continue to guide us. Continue to protect us, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.